All right, I think this is the actual episode, by the way. Yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking the same thing. Should we just do, <laughs> should we just do this one? I think this is the better one. To it might least. be worse, but whatever. I don't know. No, I think the I think uh, the the uh, the ideas tossed around. There's some levity, and then some not. That that's that makes it a little more uh, classic style. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. I'll just put the. I'll just reverse. We'll flip it and reverse it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, done. Easy. <laughs> I mean, Good. you'll just have to like you'll just have to like chop up some editing stuff, but like, yeah, no. That makes more sense. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Oh, and man. this is a good intro. Yeah, it is. <laughs> see what I did there? See see that little very self-conscious that the podcasts that we are putting out are, are bad why <laughs> i feel like the election one was good i actually re-listened to that because i ha- i haven't listened to our podcast in a long time and for whatever it was actually very well there were good takes it was cogent i thought it was good i thought it was really good actually i was like really wor- worried for whatever reason that it was bad probably because i oh, got pretty drunk good. later and I just oh, didn't I really remember what we talked. Yeah, I, and I just didn't really remember what we talked about. But I re-listened to it, and I thought it was pretty good. But I'm—I don't know. The last one was probably fine, I guess. I didn't really listen to the whole thing. Oh, uh, did I listen? I don't. Even I know. feel like I don't know. Maybe we should uh, uh, try to get topics or something going, so that at least there's some structure. Because it's because it's hard to just yeah. What was easier about doing it before is that it was like a. It was like a continu- continuation of a conversation we were always having. So it was easier to like... Yeah. It was easier to like dip in and out of bigger, broader topics or whatever. And it's But it's hard now to like just want to catch up and at the same time like have something to say about other things. Like we talked about the weather. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's yeah, bad. Was, it's like I, I, I want to be able bad. to do that without being self-conscious, but also like not do that for five minutes. Like... That sort of sucks. We can do a YouTube st- style uh, episode of our apology. <laughs> our apology for putting out a podcast about the weather for five minutes at a time. Hi, this is Green and Lewis. We're so sorry. We're so sorry <laughs> yeah. that this is what you have to listen to for five minutes while we get on to really mundane, asinine topics. I did want to... Oh, fuck, I forgot. I wanted to talk about the Cinnabon frosting. Oh, yeah. Why didn't we talk about uh, that? Yeah, I feel like this weird thing is happening to you where I can tell that you have topics and then as soon as you try to transition into them you forget them. It happened for- it happened <laughs> so like bad. 3 times in a row this time. And I feel like I it's been happening it the last times like I can tell you're teeing yourself up for something and then you just blank and on it. And then I lose panic. it because it's not Why? it's on a screen and it's hard to like remember the thing cuz I'm like Why don't you write it down? And just have your little notes open down. so that you don't forget. I write. I write down absolutely nothing. You might want to um, start, man. No, it's kind of frustrating. Ugh. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just frustrating me because I haven't done anything and I'm frustrated in general. <laughs> Fair. But it's like, I yeah, mean, I, just, I, I really don't have anything to talk about, you know? I really, yeah. I haven't left. I haven't left the house in 10 days, more. I mean, that's not so different from how you like to live generally, but like, you know, when you're forced to do it, I I, I, I get it's a little different. Well, and also because like I said, I've been sleeping constantly. It's just there's nothing. I, ha- I literally haven't been doing anything. I haven't even been cooking. I, like nothing, you know, nothing. Oof. I mean, the thing I wanted to point out about the uh, um, the Cinnabon frosting, like, was more of a global, like, is this where we are as people? Like, this is what we need at the end of 2020 is, like, I just need a cup of frosting. Like, that is, like, a sitcom joke. Like, yeah, I mean, did you s- truly did you like, see that? Uh, did you see that Germany named uh, couch potatoes the heroes of 2020? First of all, that just means that the Germans want to cook them and eat them. Like, the the Germans love a potato. So, I don't know what this means. This is some twi- twisted, like, cannibal nonsense, so I'm not here for it. Um, but, like, I... A, f- a pint of frosting is so disgusting as an idea. Like, it's funny... But no one should have made it as an option. They shouldn't have been like, yeah, we'll send you guys some pint. Come sell, sell the fucking frosting. Like, who's... Because you know what is happening. People are just eating it with a spoon. Fatties across America are just like... Y- yeah, 100%. I mean, th- this is the same phenomenon that happened in the 90s when they started selling uncooked cookie dough, like, by the five-gallon tub at Costco or whatever. It's, it's very much along what? the same lines. I mean... I jokingly say I would love to get like those tubs of the Philly, uh, Philly. Uh, I want to say Philly cheesesteak, but that's not right. The tubs of Philly um, cream cheese cheesecake already made that you just scoop into a, a pie crust and then just eat it with a spoon. Oh God, I didn't know that was a thing. But yeah, that's ex- that's exactly the same phenomenon. But like that, you could do is like a you could like do deconstructed like cheesecake and like put a dollop of it in a bowl with like graham crackers and like put some fruit on it that would be like a fun stupid treat like i would you know like oh here's dessert at a dinner party i'm hosting i'm like fuck it i didn't feel like making the cheesecake here you go you're getting this thing from a bucket yeah yeah (laughs) i reduce some fruit and it's delicious it's five thousand calories but whatever but like a pint of frosting is a certain kind of american glut that even i well Wag of the finger. I think no, what's weird you. about it is that it's specifically Cinnabon, right? Because pints of frosting have existed for a long time. You can go and just buy frosting to like put on a cake or whatever. But yeah, what are you yeah. doing with Cinnabon in particular? Because it's that like jizzy clear frosting that's only good for cinnamon buns, Hot. which you're obviously yes. not making independent of already having frosting. So I don't get it. I don't get it. You're supposed to have that hot in small amounts, but yeah, you're right. People are just eating it with a spoon. That's all it could be for. I did think about so I and was in that case. It was a fat just acid. a sugar gel, like just eat regular frosting. Why do you need to buy the? It's also not cinnamon? even like a real frosting. It's no. not. It has no basis in like it's a. It, it is like a water frosting. Yeah, it's like water. You know when they say yeah. like a like a british bake-off they're like oh it's like a water frosting you know you, it's like a glaze and you the water the water glaze you have to mix it in that's what it is it has no flavor other than sugar no like cream cheese no nothing but did i realize oh i could get that and then put it on the tray of like the pre-cut cookies from trader joe's and then slather that on there <laughs> yes yes i did and i went oh 
wait, 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 wait. I, you dropped out but for a second. I you don't bought a cinnamon frosting and did that with it? No, but I thought about it. Immediately after I saw it, I went, oh, disgusting. And then I was like, but I could see, I could see some things. I could make it work. But I wouldn't want to be the person. I wouldn't want to be the person who leaves work, goes to Cinnabon, picks up a, a <laughs> pint of frosting, and then puts it in my cup holder in my car. <laughs> so my entire car smells like sugar jizz for five days afterwards. <laughs> like, no, I can't live that way. That's gross. Like, I would look at it. Plus, I would like look at it and be like, what if I mixed it with peanut butter and then put it on a cracker? <laughs> like, no. Uh, I really, I really appreciate that you gamed out so many possible options. <laughs> I think you're the only person in America that didn't think, "Wow, I would just eat that with a spoon." I guess you, you really like worked it out. You did the math on this from transpo like con- to final it's a, item. It's a confounding item. Like it's, it's a thing in culture. Like because it's not even in culture. It's just a, a thing in consumerism, where like. This was a solution for a problem no one had. But, like, some fatty out there was like, I wish you guys would just sell the frosting. I'm like, for what? What are you doing? Are you rubbing it on yourself that you need a pint? Like, I could see if it was, like, a little, like, sauce container. Like, we sell, like, a side of sauce. Like, sure, I love it. You know, you could go to well, Auntie they all, they and they already do that, you know. You get the little jizzy sauce container when you order your cinnamon bun. No, that comes on it already. I thought it you could get a side of it, too. I might be wrong about that. It might come in, like, um, you know, those, like, toaster oh, strudel-style packets where you cut off one corner and you squeeze it out? That's also sugar jizz. Like, yeah. but I think they make those bites and they give you the cup for the bites like it's a pretzel. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the appropriate size thing. You, you know what it reminds me of, food-wise, is, is I think it was Little Caesars originally, but it could have been Pizza Hut or one of these pizza chains but they they made the innovation of the cheesy bread where they realized that if you just took the same dough you already had and the same cheese you already had and just made a new shape out of it you had a new menu item the pint of frosting from cinnabon feels along the same lines where they were like huh we need a new menu item but we've done all the shapes and things and also people don't really buy that when we do that what do we already have around that we could make into another commodity and they were like people like the frosting i guess we'll just market the frosting as its own thing now and just put it in a bigger container a pint though yeah that's a lot i know but it's the perfect size because for the spoon eaters it's not too much and you know someone's gonna fuck that pint and for the potential recipe makers it's also not too much because you don't need a gallon but you definitely need more than a little cup you know (sighs) I gr- I almost like there was a late there were two ladies who came in with their like little cinnamon pouches while while they were walking around the mall and like that smell is so like instant it fills a room and I literally almost clocked them in their faces and stole it out of their hands I was like I want that and then I was like I wouldn't even enjoy it but like it's in front of me and I can't have it because it's someone else's and I'm gonna punch her and steal it from her like duh <laughs> like I had like pure like kill bill like alarms and my brain was like get the fucking cinnabon secure the bag and i was like whoa oh god the 300 pound man just started shaking the cage shit what's going on in there fuck oh it puts the frosting on its skin or else it gets the hose again oh yeah there's so many like terribly disgusting ways you could use that much frosting too i mean like 
oh, you got to eat an ass. Put a little, uh, grab your pint, put a little drizzle on there. Like, mm, tasty. Great. Done. Fine. Well, God, how embarrassing, too, would it be to actually use the stuff and, like, show up to some some dinner party or whatever with with dessert hors d'oeuvres created with the Cinnabon frosting? Like, you would have to play that as an ironic gesture. There'd be no way to admit that. I might be able to pull it off, but I don't even have that much hubris to think that I could do it without people going, Jesus, fuck, man. And I'd be like, like, because you could put it, like, you could put it on so like, again like you could make like a weird little like babka toast or like i could imagine like you're making like a french toast in the morning and instead of syrup you're like let me just put a little uh this on there but that's also disgusting yeah that's disgusting that's just you're giving yourself diabetes it is diabetes you might as cup. well shoot it up <laughs> you might as well shoot it between your big toe you know <laughs> the only thing that when you said shoot it up do you know that image of like someone shooting up and then there's jesus putting his arm in the place of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had that image in my brain but like with the little cup like mentally photoshopped in the scene and i was like uh, i shouldn't be able to collage these stupidities in my brain <laughs> to the extent that i can uh it's a bad superpower to have um so yeah that's where i'm at i'm thinking too hard about fucking sugar jizz in a cup so like <laughs> how did you discover it i forget if the picture that you sent me was like an irl advertisement or if it was a screenshot it was oh no it's a um cnn it came up in the like uh google news feed oh, okay it's like a cnn article about like okay so we're gonna do a fun fun story you guys are burnt out with election stuff right have Cinnabon. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what the f Man, your algorithm <sighs> really has you pegged. Unfortunately, that's true. I Just mean, put a little I, fat oh. guy story in there for the 300-pound man inside you. They're like, here you go. Let's feed him a little bit. I mean, it does that. It gives me, you know, apartment listings that have washers and dryers, and I'm like, oh. They're like, oh, by the way, it's like an arm and a leg. I'm like, oh, never mind. It does have marble, though. Can I have the marble? And they're like, no. Will, you there? Uh, it's oh, lagging you are frozen. Really Hello? Hello? Better? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. What did you do? After Just move yourself into the front room? Yeah, I, I switched the internets, too. Wow, it you stayed been, like, on the call, but you switched the internet on and off? I'm surprised it didn't just yeah. kick you off. Oh. Well, I switched Wi-Fi's from the Optimum to the yeah the Chateau. Yeah, okay. It seems better now. Yeah, I was like, eh, maybe... I don't know what's going on yeah, back so there. Sometimes that other Wi-Fi just, like, fucks up. Well, that other Wi-Fi's like, oh, you've been using it for, like, two hours. You're done. Yeah, I think sometimes that happens, Fuck you. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems all right. <clears throat> Yeah, that'll be lovely Patreon content. <laughs> Hi. Uh, what? Huh? Huh? Um, uh, what were we were talking about something, but I can't remember now. I mean, we were talking about frosting, which is not the most like. Oh, yeah, the jizzy <laughs> frosting. I mean, I. I oh, yeah, because you, you found it on, uh, you found it, your Apple News got you. That's right. That wasn't Apple News. That was like the Google the Google News, whatever. Dang. Those are just you know same same 
shit different toilet. Google News is basically just ads. Yeah. They're just like, hi, we think you'll like this. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. It just happens that you are correct. How dare you? Um, it's been, you know, it's uh, been tough for me, especially because I've been bored. The, the, the news is just sucky now. What? The news what sucks now. There's nothing, fu- there's nothing to read anymore. That's all I'm getting. At. I mean, there's it's not a very nothing interesting new is happening. Insight, but like, eh, it, it, it's partly that. It's partly the back to brunch syndrome, where like, it's either like hysterical articles about a coup that isn't happening, or, uh, or that's just being ignored, and people are like talking about, I don't know what. I mean, there's this lady. You saw the thing about the lady appointed to like the Biden transition who was like the chief deporter uh, under the Obama administration people are like fuck her yeah, no yeah. not again no and I was like well yeah no, this I mean, is what you like, wanted that's what? the thing is all the, all the news about Biden is depressing you know he re- he appointed some like Republican secretary of transportation or something like whatever like I don't even care about that stuff it all it all sucks but but there's a weird tone to it too that I like can't quite figure out <laughs> like uh a bunch of the New York Times uh, op-ed stuff today was really bizarre and weird. Like Paul Krugman wrote a thing about how like it's really hard to be optimistic about the future, and then somebody else wrote a thing about how leftists and moderates need to stop uh, being mad at each other, and then somebody else wrote another thing about how the our governmental system is unfair, but liberals just need to stop crying about it. And I was like, what is going on? Like I don't understand the tone of this. I don't understand who who's trying to be appealed to here. I don't even really understand what people are writing about. Like, are you mad about this? Are you happy about the election? Are we, what are we doing? Nobody seems to know. Well, they still have to put out articles, but like the big whammy is over. Like the, the big event is over and they're like, oh fuck, we're tired. Here's, we got, I've had this one burning for a while. You want it? Right. Enjoy. That's what I mean. There's this palpable sense without the alarmism around Trump. And with no palpable excitement around Biden that nobody knows what to do. And it's it's really weird. Well, you have to think also, like, would these people be writing that much around the week before Thanksgiving anyway? No, this is all that's stuff true. that's been, like, I guess not. kicked down the line. And we're in for a contentless shit show for a good week. Well, probably for the rest of the year, right? Because it's like, you know, nothing really major is going to happen with lame duck Trump. Oh, no. You know, and and nothing's nothing, just nothing. I guess the vaccine news was kind of a thing, but like it's sort of a not a nothing burger also because it's not coming for a while. It's just like a little bit of hopium to like get everyone excited for half a day. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but also covid record highs and like people are getting locked down again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, I, all I'm trying to say is there's all this strange ambivalence, and it's really weird because all the fun's been sucked out of it on some level because there's nothing left to root for. Like the entertainment value is gone, and then like on policy, everybody seems confused at best. Um, I don't know. The Anna Ketchian did an interesting podcast today with with a. Uh, do you know that you know the show Rising on YouTube, Crystal Ball show? No. You don't know that? Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Mm-mm. She is like a like a former MSNBC host that's like a pretty prominent like lefty person and she hosts a YouTube like news show. Her name is Crystal Ball? Yeah, it literally is. Um 
she hosts a YouTube show with this other guy named Sager, who's like a young conservative. It's pretty good. I don't know. I watch it sometimes. But Sager does his own podcast that's more like right focused. And Anna Ketchin went on that. And it was like one of the most weirdly like cogent things I'd heard in a long time. I guess my point is just that the media that I've been consuming news wise, the only people making sense are like minor podcasters and stuff. Not that the like mainstream people were making sense before. It just seemed like they had a coherent narrative over there too. And now nobody does. Hmm. Except for people that no one listens to, so it doesn't matter. People with no power are getting a lot of things right. And people in power seem to be like flailing. I don't know. And what is what is new about this? What what is what is the new it, portion? I, I don't know what the new portion <laughs> is. It just seems like it it seems I'm more jarred by it right now than ever. Because it seems like Why? because, because of like, the power vacuum, because of Trump going away, like it, 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 there seems like all the air got sucked out of the room and nothing is replacing it. Huh. Like, I guess the structure uh, 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 is the same, but there's it doesn't help that there's no good entertainment either. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. We have no culture. Oh, yeah. Either. So there's no like there's the vacuum that nothing is moving culturally, but like the world is moving which has been like the problem of the entire year of like has been, yeah. there's nothing to talk about except the, uh, the immediate now which is uh not great um right but now there's nothing for, to talk for about for even thinking there's nothing to talk about with that either really yeah because it's covid is just repeating itself and the election is over and then you're, we're moving into a time where no one does anything anyway right Except now that month of, now that's extra true because you can't you know people aren't even getting together, so yeah, you're taking like, the same breaks without any of the fun part. Yeah, and it's not as if like, you know, you're not having a my you know in art world you're not having Miami Basel as a thing. So like, like the entire month of December, people are like, wait, I have to be here the whole month. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, true. you do. They're like, what? Like everyone's on on every marketplace, whatever. People are like, wait, I actually might have to work in December. Are you fucking kidding me? I haven't had to do this for years. No, I know that's weird. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. That like, without the excuse of oh, I got to travel, so I got to take a couple days off, or the excuse of art fairs, or you know, everyone's like, oh, I guess we're just working every day like normal, and then you get one day off for Thanksgiving. And then you get your two days off for Christmas, and, like, that's fucking it. Yeah. And, like, New Year's it's is going to suck, you know? Oh, I already was like, I'm not working on that. No, thank you. That's good. But, like, do you no. think anybody will do anything? Like, will you just get together with Gwen or something? I don't know. Like, I, just, I don't know. I don't even know. But, like, I mean, I just was like, I don't want to deal with any and I've done this for many years where I was like, no, no, I don't work that day. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm not dealing with the crazy people that go out on this day. Right. No, no, absolutely not. You could not pay me a million dollars to deal with that shit with a hangover. No, thank you. These people come out cause they're crazy. Cause they don't know what the fuck to do. Like even growing up, we didn't do anything on new year's day. Right. It was like, you would have to go to church cause it's a, holy day or some bullshit but like we would just do like lunch at my grandma's house because it was like oh, my uncle and my mom's birthday on new year's eve and they were like yeah we're not getting together for that because it's new year's eve so that supersedes but we'll do it tomorrow but yeah. like 
to go out into the world and be like, well, let's go shopping or like, let's do brunch. Fuck you, first of all, if you're that person. Right. Like, oh, I stay the fuck home. I can't remember what I did last New Year's. Did we do anything? We had people over here. We did? Yeah. We did? That's right. Yeah. God. Ah, fuck. It's so weird that that beginning, the first two months of this year were like normal. Like I almost, I almost completely separate that. And I mean, I guess technically it was 2019, but like, I'm even talking about like into February, like when I went to LA with the art fair and stuff, it's like, I, in my mind, I'm pressing all of that back into 2019 and I'm like, all of 2020 is just written off completely. But I forgot that there was that little segment of it there where it wasn't. Like, do you remember I did sober January? Like, I haven't thought about that since now, until right now. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. That that happened this year. That's so weird. That Well, that was also just a weird choice. I was like, I don't understand, but all right, fine. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I was just in such a different, I don't know, I, such a literal different place in every possible respect, like 11 months ago, that I can't even remember it. It just feels so so vague to me or something what was i even thinking i don't know what did i think I I th- what did i think 2020 was going to be like before it ended yeah you had one month to figure out and it was the <laughs> shortest month of the entire goddamn year right, are you fucking right. kidding me yeah no february i don't even recall because i was like well i gotta shut this motherfucker down all right what what's the next thing and then the next thing happens and then i'm like oh we gotta shut the whole thing down okay because you had just started working in february right what did you just start working where you are in february or was that january no march oh you didn't even march start 10th. till march oh right right march holy 7th. shit yeah yeah that's right my god that's so crazy well you know i don't uh-huh. I, I don't have a good memory of february really because i wasn't around that much i was gone for like 18 days of february oh yeah and then i came back and then everything went for the cocktail like the last normal day, sort of normal day I remember is Super Tuesday because we recorded a podcast and it was a disaster for Bernie. And I sort of remember that. And then oh, it was yeah. only a few days later that everything like fuck, fucking tanked. It's so, I don't know, it's so weird thinking back to that time. I, I learned today, I heard on a podcast that I guess Michael Bay is putting out a movie produced for Netflix about what if the coronavirus was like the bubonic plague and just started killing more people and was like way deadlier. No one needs this right now. No, I, well, what is crazy? Think about that. Isn't that crazy? Cause I was thinking about it and I was like, well, wait, when he pitched, so coronavirus had already been happening when he pitched the movie. Right. So he must've pitched the movie in March or April and the pitch must've yeah. gone something like, he must've been like, guys, okay. The premise of the movie is get this. This is still around in like a year. And it's killed a bunch of people. And it actually is <laughs> and will be. Who greenlit it? So I think who went, who, I think some dumbass Mr. Netflix was like, yeah. I think some dumb producer greenlit it in April, thinking, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll be done with this soon. It'll blow and this will yeah. be a crazy exaggeration of our dystopian future. And then just is that? And they're putting it out anyway? Like yeah, how that would be a thing to like shelve. I don't know. I think that's a terrible idea. Well, like we were talking about earlier, just like the layers of reality and like all this collapse, just like the fiction and the real world just all coming together. I think that's what I was trying to say too with the news thing, where like I can't make heads or tails of anything. And I can't think very clearly about anything 
And it doesn't seem like anybody can. Well, I mean, to go to the bubonic plague thing, like, there is no drama. There, oh, there's no, well, it's not the drama of the bubonic plague. It's not the, like, oh, bring out your dead. Even though we did do that in April when there were, like, the fridge the fridge trucks on the West Side Highway. You know, like, we did do it. But, like, it seemed, again, it seems like only people who had the chance to see, like, the huts outside of hospitals and stuff, like, actually were like, oh, no, that's real. Okay, that's... We're going to not talk about how terrifying that is, you know, um, where people are like, oh, well, you know, I think that is about to happen again this winter. I mean, the whole reason this curfew in Ohio is such bullshit and it's probably about to be in New York, too, is just that, like, they're, they're saying it's because they don't want to uh, overwhelm the hospitals like that conversation is happening again. And it's like this curfew is not going to do that. They would actually have to shut down again again to make that a possibility. Yeah. But like, I think the freezer trucks and like hospital overwhelm and shit, that's, it's going to happen again. It's way worse now than it was then. Oh yeah. The case it's quantity, almost yeah, twice yeah. as bad as it was then. Yeah. I had, to, I mean, I, to tell you the truth until I got COVID and started like looking at COVID stats again, just cause I'm bored and like want to know. I could, I actually shocked myself with how checked out I actually was. Like, I feel a little bit guilty about some of the things I've said before, but ah, whatever, fuck it. Because I didn't realize, like, how bad how bad it had gotten over the last couple months. Yeah. Really, the last couple weeks. It's weeks, yeah. But, like, fuck. It's, like, way, way worse than March and April. And that seemed bad at the time. I don't know. Or it was just scarier, and maybe it's not scary anymore. I don't know. I mean, the weird part is, like, it's not happening here where i am no, it, it it is but everything is two to three weeks behind that's why the red on the map creeps outward like that because i remember yeah. a week ago or i guess more like two weeks ago because it was bef- it was right before i got it the map wasn't red in ohio it was like red in illinois and indiana and wisconsin and all that and then it just got farther and now ohio got swallowed up pennsylvania's getting swallowed up and i looked at the map and, and you're kind of surrounded connecticut and rhode island are kind of fucked and uh yeah. not quite new jersey but eastern pennsylvania and some of upstate i'm like oh phillies i'm like it's coming nightmare. it's just because everything's two weeks behind with testing and shit but like you know i don't know but like the winter's how gonna did be dark, it come dude. from the middle like i don't understand because Who nobody in the middle, in the middle ever middle? gave a shit they just done <sighs> nobody gave a fuck and they didn't close down really except for the initial two weeks like everybody did but after that it was open again and they never had that many cases. They just never did. Hmm. But, like, this is what I don't understand, though. Where did people go to bring it back then to give it? Like, I don't understand the, like, where did it come from in the middle? Like, who was, like, going, like, oh, yeah, we can just travel there. Like, who needs to go to, like, uh, I, I think part of it. Eagleton it, or something. I like, think I don't understand. I think part of it is that people started interstate traveling probably more as time wore on, just inevitably. And also that it's gotten cold. Oh, people yeah. stopped sitting outside, you know? That's true. Because, like you said, the snow's coming to New York. It's already snowing here. There's no outdoor dining anymore, but all the restaurants are still open with no capacity limit, you know? Wait, what? Yeah. No capacity It's limit? been like that since the middle of July, and that wasn't a big deal when you have a ton of outdoor <sighs> space and stuff, but now it's a deal. Bars have been open. Everything's been open, you know? And I and I think just that the more and more everything gets normalized in general, the less and less people are vigilant. Like, you know, 
which I understand. Everyone's just tired, man. It's done. I don't know. I mean, like here, people like people, especially in service in- industry, are like, yeah, we like making money, but also like, fuck you if you try me on the like capacity limits or whatever like that. Like I, I don't care. I'm always just like, Mm-mm. no, no. And in my well, brain, that's the thing. New like York didn't open indoor dining until a few weeks ago, a month ago. That's true. Indoor dining has been open in the rest of the yeah. country the whole time. Like I yeah. ate at a restaurant here in August. <sighs> you know, until I got this, I've been going to the gym, which has no capacity limits. I mean, they they put the they put dividers between the machines or whatever. You're supposed to use every Those other one. Those don't do anything. But it doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's wild. It just seems that you know, there's no put, there's no putting it back in. But that being said, did I t- did I tell you already? I think I did that. Um, I have it, my dad has it, my aunt has it, Nikki has it, Nikki's daughter has it, and three of my dad's friends have it. Ugh. I mean, like... Yeah. Oh, and my cousin had it. He just got oh. over it. So, like, you know, that scale of infection is coming to New York. Great. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, when we were, like, at Rocky Studio, Rocky and Tom Studio, like, we were just like, is this a super spreader event? Like... We're like, nah, it's fine. Not like, yet, I don't but, know. but like, yeah, but pretty soon it might be. I don't know. I, and I also, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it matters. I think because like I've been saying, everyone just has to get it because that's always been the plan. I mean, but yeah, my thing I is, know. if I get it, my whole shit gets shut down. I yeah, shut down the whole thing. For sure. That's going to happen. And it's just a matter of, and it's just a matter of like, well, what happens if that's the case? Like nobody has a plan for that shit. Like I can do the thing if someone has sniffles or like a temperature, and I'm like, "You get the fuck out of here," right? Because I can just be like, "No, no, I will. I shan't. I shan't get sick. Get the fuck out." Because everyone interacts with me, right? Except for two days a week. But did I interact with them the day before and the day after? Of course. So then you, if you're screening people, like, oh, do you know anyone who has a positive thing? It's like. Uh yeah, my boss who I just saw yesterday, and it's like, well, shut it all down. Everybody has to go home. Yeah, right. Oh no, dude. And I, it's like do, and it's like, do I get fired for that? Like, I don't understand. I, I mean, I'm. I, this was this timing of this was horrible for me because I had to cancel a freelance job, and I had another one come across the bow, and I had to call the guy today and be like, listen, uh, he, he wanted me to work Friday, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, listen, I can work Friday. Like, I'm CDC clear at that point. But I hadn't talked to this guy in a couple weeks at this point. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I got a COVID diagnosis on such and such a day. Like, by Friday, I'll be fine. And I think I would be fine to work. I'm sort of turning the corner on it. But, like, if you're uncomfortable with it, I'm just letting you know. And it's like, I don't want to be in that position. I need to accept this job. This is, like, a a new connection, you know, and money. Yeah, and I don't want to be in that position. So I called the guy, and he was like, "Well, it's it sounds like it's okay. I don't mind. Like, let's just go forward with Friday." And then an hour later, he texted me and was like, "Let's do it next Tuesday." And I was like, "Okay." Oh, he gave you like an extra couple. Yeah, days to be but like, I just was to, just to be safe. Yeah, it was sort of that. It was probably a scheduling thing on his half. But when I told him, he was like, "Oh, I'm like really nervous about getting it because my wife has had um, cancer three times, and she's like really immunocompromised." And I was like, "Jesus, who Christ. the fuck gets cancer three times and lives?" I know. Well. You know, much like God does not like you. Much like AIDS, it's not that. a death sentence anymore. Okay, well. But, uh, 
But, you know, but so what I'm trying to say is like the timing of this has been shitty for me because that other freelance job that I had to cancel, I mean, I'm going to call the guy back next week and be like, hey, when do you want to do this? But like he probably will have moved on or just not want to do it anymore. It's like it's work wise. It sucks because there is no protocol in place. And I, the day before I found out my dad had it, I was with all my friends. They all had to go get tests. And thankfully, you know, all of them have been negative so far. But. As soon as it happens to you, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, contact, you know, contact everyone. It's like getting an STD. You're like, oh, shit. Now I got to call everybody and be like, you know, you might have it. Go handle Well, at that. least you have these people's numbers and they're not just yeah, gray pictures. And you go, well, I might have gotten it from some, you know, gray man number five over there. But I don't have his phone number and he probably he's the only one who could have given it to me. So, hmm. fuck yeah, it. Yeah, sorry, Raul Tinder. No, it's only ever been Caucasians who have ever given me any sort of thing. Oh, Jonathan Grinder. Truly. <laughs> Timothy, I think, gave me crabs. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> twice? Did I do that twice? Yeah, you did. I you don't remember. You mentioned it several times that you've done it twice. Didn't we just talk yeah, about it that I... you found it on your ankle one time? Yeah, that's the only way to find it, on your ankle. And you go, huh, how'd you get down there? That's why I thought it was bed bugs, and I was more paranoid. But yeah, I don't know, man. The winter is going to be brutal and dark. It's not going to be good. Listen, if th- if the curfew in New York continues, I'm not mad at it. If only because that means I don't have to work till 11 or midnight. No, that is I'm good. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's nice. I'm like, oh, we got to get out at 9.30? Great. Anyone mad? No, we're all fine with it. Because this shit is stupid anyway. Like... The 23rd of December, you're open until from 9 in the morning till 11 at night. For who? For what? Oh, man. Maybe we can talk about it next time on the real episode. But have you ever heard of the Great Reset? What? This is... Okay, I just... I should have fucking talked about this earlier. God damn it. I have been doing some... This has gotten my conspiracy brain going, but it's barely a conspiracy. Uh... The World Economic Forum, otherwise known as Davos, so, you know, a collection yeah. of elite ghouls that gets together in fucking Geneva and, you know, makes plans for what the world is up to. They have a thing on their website called the Great Reset, and it's like this, you know, several point plan for like the future of capitalism. And I started looking into this really hard. The the, the guy that's like most in charge of its name is... Uh, uh klaus schwab i believe of uh charles schwab fame they wouldn't call him they wouldn't have named an american child klaus oh no he's not american he's german no schwab is a oh okay american then maybe it's unrelated then but yeah uh, that's that's not a no same name but but the reason i said that is because he's some sort of banker or whatever but he's he's written all these papers about it and he wrote a book called like the coming of the fourth industrial revolution And so this thing, the Great Reset, when you go on like the World Economic Forum's website, it's like uh, all this sort of nice talk about how we need to reform capitalism and make it into uh, stakeholders rather than shareholders and blah, blah, blah. But the more and more I looked into it and the more and more like alternative takes on it that I found and research that other people had done, it is a really wild like basically illuminati plot to use covid19 to like turn everybody turn 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 us into the techno feudalism 
it's like very upfront about that and i didn't realize i always thought that these are like emergent phenomenon that like you know they just happen because of perverse incentives or whatever and that's sort of true but very self-consciously elites are like yeah COVID-19 is a really good opportunity to like do a lot of stuff like turn everybody into permanent gig workers like they you know this guy Schwab was like falling all over himself about how exciting it was that employers don't have to provide um, any benefits or minimum wages anymore so we should try to transition the entire labor economy into freelance contractors <laughs> and I was like uh what and you know of course they always dress it up in like nice language to make it sound like this is a real opportunity for everybody but it's really bad like things like digital contract tracing and things like lockdowns being used uh towards like climate emergencies rather than just pandemic emergencies like acclimating the population to these type of things very scary and i couldn't believe it had a name called the great reset and they just like i mean have it out, out there for anyone the weird part is like the idea of like gig economy thing like this is the line that gets sold in like the finance world especially if you work on commission like they're just like you get to build your own schedule you're not tied to you know your time is your time and it's like but you're telling me telling me that my time should be six in the morning until nine at night thinking about working even though it's not laborous work it's emotional labor and outreach that's worse that's actually worse labor like i don't know like you're taxing mental energy instead and you're like no it's a benefit you're you're not you're bodily tired but you might be drained forever and it's like what no one should want that either right oh wait sorry i i realized that hang on i'm trying to find one of these quotes because i found this amazing article about this before we started recording oh okay okay (laughs) this is this is kind of this is kind of a long like paragraph but this is a direct quote from that schwab guy in his book uh he's talking about the parallels between world war ii and covid uh world war ii was the quintessential transformational war triggering not only fundamental changes to the global order and the economy but also entailing radical shifts in social attitudes and beliefs that eventually paved the way for radically new policies and social contract provisions. There are obviously fundamental dissimilarities between a pandemic and a war. We'll consider these in detail in the following pages. But the magnitude of their transformative power is comparable. Both have the potential to be transformative crisis of previously unimaginable proportions. This is what happened after the terrorist attacks of September 11th. All around the world, new security measures like employing widespread cameras, electronic ID cards, and logging employees or visitors in and out became the norm. At the time, these measures were deemed extreme, but today they are used everywhere and considered normal. So the whole book is like about <laughs> about using never letting a good crisis go to waste and using like the extreme measures that we're going through now and implementing it like deliberately. This is our defining moment. Many things will change forever. A new world will emerge. The societal upheaval unleashed by COVID-19 will last for years and possibly generations. Many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short response is never. (laughs) This is the Davos guy in a book about it, you know? I mean, I don't I don't like how villainous it is that it's being declared. I know that's like a, a dumbly obvious thing to say, but like, oh, can't it just be like insidious and like. Uh, atmospheric does it have to be like 
you know, people sitting around in smoke-filled rooms and deciding it. That makes it worse somehow in my mind. I mean, this is my, you know, unfortunately, you you do have to have governmental insertion of this idea of, like, supporting the public before a technocrat does it. Because then you people will willingly give themselves over to Jeff Bezos to be a serf. Right. Because their government isn't helping them. Yes. So, like, it it's somehow taking... Weirdly, it's taking Marxism and just turning it into... Capitalists are like, let's use Marxist principles, but let's make us money. Yeah. I mean, they've been doing and this for like, a long time. What? What? Like, yeah. like, you know, Steve Bannon describes himself as a Marxist-Leninist. Like, self-consciously. Um, and... Well, in the, towards what? You know, in that Reaganland book that I was reading, uh, a huge chunk of the rise of the new right were um, these sort of like right wing activists who self consciously adopted like revolutionary communist uh, organizational tactics, like you're saying, just towards maximizing profit and like uh, limiting individual autonomy against a marketplace. Like, so yeah, that's been going on for a long time. They do do that. They take all they take all this policy that you know a socialist or a Marxist would like orient towards state control of economics and like social being, and say no, 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 no. We'll just take that and put it in the hands of corporations, and that will be a public good on its own. So we can still skim off the top. Yes, so that we can, so that the you know the extraction scheme has to continue, and the only way for it to continue is if corporate corporations replace the state, or they diminish the state to such an extent that they can basically absorb it, and now all of your social well being is a function of the corporation you work for. This is the the uh, I'm not going to spend time finding it, but in that same art in that same article that I was quoting from before, the guy talks about stakeholders versus shareholders versus the state. And says that the transition he's looking for is stakeholder capitalism, where like the corporation takes care of not just its shareholders, but its employees, the society, everything around it becomes technified, right? But what that means is this, that they can profit off any individual transaction. So we don't have, uh, you know, healthcare or social services. Th- those are aspects of the corporation that, you know, you buy into as an employee you buy into as a customer one of the thing, one of the i don't know sorry i'm rambling but one of the things that he mentions is in the future you will rent everything no one will own anything everything you interact with will be a rental oh people have been, i mean you this know. is what credit has been forever right but but it, yes it has been but but more um less about a debt scheme and more about straightforward subscription based everything like we already see I online mean, I've been renting my fucking router for 10 goddamn years for Christ. I mean, you know, it's not as if it's unheard of, but we don't want to have like, I don't want to be on a computer that I'm renting. Right. But that will be the scheme in the future. Computers will be unaffordable except to the ultra rich. So you will uh, lease your MacBook Pro. It would cost $10,000 to buy outright. So no one can afford it, but you can lease it for the low, low price of $150 a month or whatever. Again, which is what creditors have done forever. I mean, like, this is why, like, but this is also why, like, furniture rental, everyone's just like, no, that's a fucking scheme and a half. Like, why would you ever, like, rent furniture? You're going to pay for more than the object itself. 
which uh, weirdly like furniture rental has taken a like cv2 upswing where like you can rent like faux modern furniture you know because you're just you know you're moving all the time you don't need furniture yeah, you, yeah. you'll be able to swap it out based on aesthetic tastes that change it's called feather it's stupid i'm like you know you can buy that couch on wayfair what the fuck are you doing you don't want to spend eight hundred dollars and they're like well i don't what if what if fashion changes what if i'm moving it's like well it's eight hundred dollars it's not that much if that's the kind of life you lead but it seems like the kind of life you lead is a farce if you have to rent furniture that if you need to change your couch you're like well i can't afford a new one right Uh, but uh, but it seems like you're a fucking charlatan and you need to slow your fucking roll right but um, uh, yeah i'm stating the obvious i guess but um, but just imagine a world in which that is the only choice and it's not just for like managerial class people that are affected by changing taste it's for every person because wages are so low that even things like furniture are unaffordable but renting them becomes the only choice because that's basically what they're trying to do i mean you know as as the as the rate of profit falls, they can't keep throwing that into wages. So how do we make a sustainable life for 7 billion people that involves wages so low you can't afford a table, let alone a home or health care or whatever? I mean, that's the I game. Mean, you, you have to put people on this contract scheme where they can make as much as they're willing to work, uh, but that will never be enough to actually own anything. Yeah, and then no one should be shocked when the guillotines start rolling like and that's not even that much of a joke like that's no, enough not. to get people mad yeah i want but i wonder if it ever will be because if it happens like incrementally enough i d- i think it'll just be normalized like covid is is a perfect catalyst example for it cuz you know everybody is scared to death in march or april and then as time goes on it's like well there's going to be 250,000 people dead then there's going to be half a million then there's going to be a million and it's just normal it's just part of life now and I, 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 I do think that it's a rare time in society, especially in the United States, where people are so societally and politically just disorganized and incoherent that, like, where is the organizational structure for the guillotine? There's no ability to resist this, especially because if people are gig economy workers, they're not on a factory floor comparing notes. I mean, that's how the labor movement got started in the late 19th century and early 20th century. It's like you have to be able to talk to your coworkers. And say, like, hey, this is kind of fucked up. Like, the fat cat over there is making all this money, and we're making shit and working 50 hours a week. Like, let's cut it back to 40 and ask for higher wages. Like, how are you supposed to do that when you're making money on your phone and you don't see anybody except for the passengers you drive around? Or with? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I think I think I'm scared to death because it seems like they can pull it off with no, with very little societal resistance especially because of the huge like surveillance state they've created, you know. No, I mean like the the distancing thing is interesting because I never felt like cuz I'm used to like you know, I was always used to camaraderie in in the workplace cuz there would be like five people with the same title and everyone could just bitch, you know, amongst each other. Um and even like the relationships, you know, I had with the person who was my boss was like close enough because it was collegiate and we would just be like well this this shit from this person you know the higher person is a a bunch of bullshit i'd be like yeah 
what what kind of dirt you got? She's like, mm, I got some. We can't talk about it. I'd be like, just tell me. I won't tell them. I, I will tell them, but like after it comes out, like I'll backfill. But like the most alone I ever feel felt at work was like, okay, here you are. This is your thing. I'm like, oh, being in charge of shit is really like isolating because there's so much you have to withhold from people. Yeah. Like in the in just the pecking order of like there you know like if it's sophisticated information you truly can't tell them the poli- explain the politicking of it right because they don't care and they're like oh what does that mean and they're like I don't have time to get into all this fucking bullshit right now like just like go out do the thing and it's like oh. when like big changes happen like you know when my company closes thirty eight stores and then the you know, the head of retail is uh, out in two months. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things that are worrisome. I don't have, like, work people to, like, be like, hey, so this is some fucked up shit. And they're like, what? Like, they don't even know. They don't even care. Well, they might care, but they won't know how to process it. And it's very isolating to be like, huh, if you don't have someone who you can text me, like, what the fuck is this email? And they're like, yeah. Like... Yeah, it does a really it does a really good job of like putting people in positions where you're like, oh, if you were smart, if you were in any other way, you'd be like, guys, dust off your resumes like, you know, the ship, it's on fire. It's not sinking, but there is a small fire. Um, The life rafts are there, there and there. Um, We don't need them yet, but ready them, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And if you're a gig economy worker, you don't. Even another driver, unless it's your friend, you don't know what is going on. No. I mean, you you have no idea outside of what the company tells you what's going on. You you, yeah. you couldn't know. And everybody's probably at different pay scales, depending on what rides they take and where they're willing to travel and what type of car they have. You, you have no meaningful way of setting up any opposition to uh, bad conditions. Whether that means trying yeah. to even find another job. Like you said, you wouldn't even necessarily know if the company is in ill health. You've never talked to anyone at corporate, ever. Yeah. You got your job on an app, and the app talks to you. You've probably never talked to a person. If you have a problem, yeah. you chat with a bot. You know, I'm sure you've had problems as I've had with Uber and Lyft in the past. Have you ever tried to get their number and reach a customer service representative? Impossible. No, doesn't exist. No, um, but yeah, you're describing that problem like even in your industry. Or like, I remember when I was on furlough at, at the gallery, like it was a similar problem where like when you're blacked out from decisions that you're normally at least somewhat privy to, you have no idea what you're walking into, whether it's worth it or not, what your pay is going to be, what your benefits are going to be, whether the company's going to be there in two months or not. You have no clue. Yeah. And you're just completely at the mercy of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's sort of, I, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm not very clear-headed. It's the COVID. I'll blame it on it. But um, it's scary to imagine that going worldwide. That's like a dumb thing, dumb, obvious thing to say, but I'm, I don't know. I'm scared to death about the techno feudalism, man. I've been thinking a lot about it. I mean, there will be a lot of people who are truly just securing their own bag that they won't care about what happens to anyone that they work above. 
they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll enact that. Yeah, I don't, uh, that's fine. We'll make it work. Yeah. Because they don't want to be up shit creek. Well, because the 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 class or the number of people that will be in managerial roles somewhere between an ownership class and the surf class will also shrink. Yeah. Like, we've been probably talking about this for the length of this podcast, because you know what? It's totally tangential, but I realized the other day when I was uploading the last episode that as of this one, we've done more episodes under COVID than not. Well, that's just depressing. Isn't that crazy to put in perspective, though, that it's been going on that long? <sighs> and But so anyway, when you, when you think about... We've been talking about this because of each other's jobs, kind of, mostly yours, but to some extent mine too that like the the like i said the class of people that exist because there's always that uh that friction class that exists between the owners and the not owners yeah the pmc or whatever you want to call it that is also going to shrink and people will cling to that subconsciously knowing it's going away yeah so no one will ever be in a position to compare notes and try and stave this off in any real way so like when you were saying like you wouldn't want to compare notes because then someone could use that against against you you. to keep their thing because when two people turn into one they're gonna like fight that out yeah even if they're genuinely collegiate every other time at the end of the day they're gonna be like no no don't no you're not firing me this person does this 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 and this fuck them no right so and you know the more wicked the person making that decision is you pit them against each other you get all the dirt and you go actually you guys are actually doing terrible jobs we're gonna fire both of you and then hire one of your underlings to do both of your jobs for less money or hey guess what it's been automated away well i i I know people you know even the even the overlord the tech overlord class has been threatening this for a long time but like increased automation really is a problem like if 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 your algorithm knows you're enough of a fat boy that you want to be, you want to hear about Cinnabon in your news feed, it's gonna get good enough to do your job too. Oh yeah, probably. You know, so like one of the things I was reading in that article again that I quoted from earlier was he was talking about like lawyers being replaced, like things at that scale. We're not talking about like fucking a McDonald's kiosk anymore or just the minimum wage laborers. You're talking about a huge segment of the managerial class. Like lawyers? Are you kidding me? That seems like one of the one step down from elite, and we're eliminating that too. You know. Well, here's the thing: like, if an algorithm can, uh, you know, think about it, like an Instagram, think about it, like Instagram ad in the feed, right? Like, more likely than not, you're just gonna keep scrolling, or even if you click on it once, you're not gonna buy. It's just a matter of wearing someone down and then they buy a bidet right like that's just you know that's the kind of thing like it's almost kind of an advertising equivalent of like a wrong clock yeah moment right right um whereas like you know you think of traditional sales and this is not just goods but like any sort of you know the whole world is basically this right ad sales what you know whatever all this kind of emotional manipulation like there will be a point where the emotional manipulation will be worthless because you can target it at just the right time for people to be like yeah today's the day i'm gonna buy the thing right like you can kind of figure out people's individual patterns to be like yeah hit them with this ad 
and that one-time cost to hit someone with an ad is much cheaper than an hourly rate of even fifteen dollars an hour. Oh, for sure. It's it's you way know. way it's it's pennies on the dollar if that. It's yeah. probably fractions of pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Uh, can I, I mean the the yep. Can I try out uh, a high-minded extension of this line of thought? Yeah. Okay. You know how I always complain about everyone complaining about the rising tide of fascism and how that's not a thing? Yeah. I, I, th- I think I connected some dots over the last couple of days just sitting around thinking that I think, I think those people uh, that are mad about rising fascism are kind of right, but they locate it in the wrong place. Can you guess where I'm going with this? I mean, think about what we've been talking about, right? Like the increasing atomization of society, the inability to organize and the deliberate exploitation by the the techno overclass, right? What does it sound like? It sounds like the big F to me. When you really boil it down, it's just that where it's not similar, it's capital fascism, but yeah, is aesthetically, right? You don't have brown shirts anymore. You don't need concentration camps anymore. The goal is not to eliminate portions of the population for purity reasons. The goal is to subdue the entire population for profit reasons. And like a large part of the historical rise... Go ahead. And if you can't buy, you die. Yes. Yes. You you do not eliminate them in the camps in a physical sense... Uh, you are exterminated by your inability to participate in the market anymore. You wash out of it, first through homelessness and then through death. So I wonder if the like liberal complaint about like Trump being authoritarian or fascist is just mislocating fascism in the wrong place. I think everyone is sensing that there's something bad going on that is affecting everybody's lives, but they're just looking for outward signs of what they recognize from history. They're looking for 1930s fascism, and that's not what's happening. What's happening is a techno-fascism that's all around you already. I mean, it's madman fascism. Where it's like, we can, we'll just sell it better than, we'll just package it better than anyone else. Because everyone's a rube, and fuck them. Well, and you end up, you end up just following orders at the end of the day. By using these services... And then eventually being employed by these services. And all along the way, you don't feel like you have a choice. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? I can't hail a cab around here. I got to take an Uber. Right? And everybody ends up becoming complicit in the regime eventually. And if you're not thinking about it all the time, uh, you're never going to realize that it's all around you. And you're going to end up defending it in the end. Which I think is where my frustration with a lot of political conversation or where people locate this problem comes from is that you're ending up defending um, a fascist ethic through your rejection of a certain political party or whatever. Like you think it's Republicans. It's not Republicans. (sighs) It's bigger than that. And you can't see it because you're, you're narrowly fixated on one quarter of the equation. I mean, we should get you a math pin. But, like, you know, because at least Andrew Yang was going to give people money and it was going to be governmental. 
Yeah, you know what? You know, oddly, you know, like this is where we're kind of going. In it is in this in this idea of like, if this is going to be, you know, if if this is the thing in a smoke filled room being talked about, it's like, well, again, that's the that's the role of the state. The state, the people take care of the people. Ultimately, is the point of it. But, you know, corporations are people, too, now. So why not just let those people take care of these people? Which it's like, that doesn't really work because if it's not an agreed upon, like, constitutional moment and it's just, like, a mission statement of a privately held thing, you can be exclusionary, which is the whole, like, that is monarchy again. Yeah, I mean, that is the premise behind LLC. They can be exclusionary because they have limited liability. <sighs> you know, I've actually... I, oof. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about Andrew Yang a little bit because I heard on a podcast, I forget which, somebody compared him to Barry Goldwater. Do you know the story with Barry Goldwater? He lost handily. He did, but he was sort of a leading indicator for where like conservative politics in the United States would end up going, you know? Um, he Ooh. was like Reagan 10 years too early. Yes. And somebody compared Andrew Yang to him politically and said, like, I think a lot of people will be throwing ideas Yang style like UBI, uh, like a redefining of the social contract out there. But Yang just came along too early. And that strikes me as kind of right. Um but what I was always suspicious of with Andrew Yang was like, yes, UBI was a state solution, but it was still a technocratic solution. Like, I like the idea better that as humans, we have a stake in our society that you're not simply bought off by the state. Yeah. But that you are uh, sort of subsidized by it and encouraged to like invested in invest in your society. Right. And UBI always seemed like a way out of having to invest in anybody. And it seems like these, you know, this stakeholder capitalism or this this like corporate rumination on uh, future feudalism is along these lines. Like the state will exist, but it will be there so that you're not invested in it and you're not invested in each other. You're only invested in your uh, corporate benefactor. Be sort of like UBI but not because society wants to give it to you because the corporation needs to keep demand up. Yeah. And I mean, not to circle back to the, the healthcare of it all, but if, if the state ran healthcare, then there wouldn't be the opportunity 20 years from now for corporations to be like, Oh no, no, your wages are mostly you get healthcare. And then we get you a little bit of a, a stipend to work here. Right. Well, and they're chomping at the bit to get rid of that. Because like uh, like we were talking about with the sort of fascistic element of it, the idea is that if you end up not being able to make enough money to purchase health care from your employer now, uh, you die. And that is on purpose. If you can't participate in the market, you are worthless. Hmm. And that the doesn't Europeans discriminate kind of... based on like identity. Yeah, but it the Europeans did. have the workaround where they're like, no, 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 that's already a, a thing taken care of. So, like, that's n- a non-option. Well, s- some of them do. Like, like yeah. the United Kingdom has the NHS, right? So, like, back when yeah. their 
back when their labor movement was ascendant, they made a way better deal than Americans. Like in the United States, our labor movement made the deal that everyone would get a car and a house in the suburbs after World War II. And the British said, no, fuck that. Uh, our labor movement wants the state to be highly invested in society. So we have national health care. Right. We didn't make that deal. So the United States is extra fucked, and there's other European countries that will also be fucked because they run private healthcare systems too, just heavily subsidized by the government, like France. Oh, like, that's true. So yeah. they're not immune from this. It's just going to take a lot longer for that egg to crack um, because they have a more militant history of organization and a better national identity that we don't have here. Yeah, that's true. And they struck a better deal in the first place. But, like, you know... There's less and less area where things are profitable. That's why things have to go towards like behavioral sur surplus, like figuring out what data we can extract from you, figuring out how we can use your behavior to be profitable, how we can use your genetics to be profitable, you know? But how much profit is anyone seeing in the past, you know, since March when people's behaviors are not giving you that much information? That's not true. They're, I mean, they're really? seeing they're seeing a ton of profit because uh, people's behaviors are more trackable now because there's fewer vectors without being able to travel, having to do everything online by gig economy. Oh, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's making that data easier to collect than ever before because cash transactions have completely fallen off a cliff. Uh, In-person and black market transactions have completely fallen off. Everything mm. is on the server right now. It's been trending in that direction for a long time, but that's what's alarming about this whole line of thought from 45 minutes ago is just that COVID-19 was, was zoomed in on by a small set of people in Switzerland, and they said, perfect. This came and intervened and set up the conditions that we've wanted all along. Let's make sure we maintain this. Ugh. I mean, again, like it, it's just a matter of like, that is not the will of the people. No, but the people don't so have... So how, how sustainable is it? The, the thing is, it might, be for, it might be sustainable for a really long time precisely for that reason. I think the election is what's really got my head spinning about this because that goes to show you that is like the most quantifiable evidence you could have that people don't believe the state can do anything anymore. Hmm. Biden v. Trump with a narrow Biden victory is like the most is the most black pilled result in this way because all that tells you is that voters don't believe anything can change. You get it with one brand identity or another one. So there is no will of the people. We've already resigned ourselves to not having one. Otherwise this farce of an election wouldn't gone wouldn't have gone this way. I mean, yeah, I mean I've said it before, but I, I do think the United States is too big. Well, and I've said it before too, but you're gonna get your balkanizing wish, you know. It'll just I be know. in the form of the techno cantons, independent state of New York City or whatever. Yeah, but that's eh, not great, though. It's not great, but I, you know, at the end of the day, what we're what we end up seeing is that like, eh, there's no way to even understand people's political uh, affiliation, like change depending on the way the wind blows that day it's the same like reason why they would buy like a navy sweater instead of a black sweater and they're like i don't know i was feeling a little different it's like americans are the most untrustworthy when it comes to decision making their logic is never sound well it's because we've been trained for 50 years to believe that nothing can change
I sound like a broken record, but that's why. Like, in 1950, when, or whatever, 1948, when you voted for Harry Truman for a second term, that represented something, you know? That represented a continuation of political ideals that had changed your life and, like, gotten you out of the Great Depression and had won a world war. You know, mm-hmm. you you had some foundation for what you were voting for. You weren't just voting for the navy sweater or the gold sweater. But now that's all you can do. Because since the Carter administration, we abandoned the project of politics having a meaningful impact on people's lives. That's not anybody's fault. You know, we didn't like do that. We didn't do that because we're lazy and slovenly by nature. That was organized and trained. You know, we got trained into yeah. that pattern. Like I saw the most black pilled comment on a Times article, one of those op-eds I mentioned earlier. Look, you can't read the comments in the Times. It's a vortex of shit. It was it was the most black-pilled comment of all time. It was a guy that was saying, I'm deeply pessimistic about the future. I'm glad I'm 67 and not 37. And it was just like, Ugh. wow, fuck you. Like That is the summary of the whole conversation that we've just been having. Old people being like, yeah, fuck it. Everything's going to get worse. At least it's not my fucking problem. And young people like you and I sitting around like doing the calculus and being like, wow, this is adding up to like a really bizarre and awful future. And we can't think our way out of it either. So like if the heads are going to roll and the guillotines are going to come, it'll happen organically, I guess. But uh, who's going to do that? Well, I, I don't think it's a matter of, again, Americans are wild. But, like, I don't think it'll be a matter of action, but it'll be a matter of leaving and expatriation. But to where, you know? Like like yeah, I said, yeah. like, the situation's going to catch up everywhere. The only, <sighs> like, semi-legitimate alternative would be to move to China, where they actually have state capitalism, where that is the way. But if you move anywhere in the Western sphere of influence, Europe, Canada, the United States, it's all the same shit different toilet like it's just going to take a little bit longer to arrive at certain places like in germany they'll be fine for a while but not really like austerity is coming for them like it's coming for everybody else yeah it's a Mm. it's a really it's a really i don't like thinking about it well the i mean the weird thing is like you know with the like trump narrative of like oh we don't want to cede power to china it's like well Minus the, like, censorship and everything, they seem to have all the, like, machinations figured out. So, like, I don't know. Seems fine. But maybe we just don't give in to, like, the social stuff. Right. I mean, I just think they they just have a much longer and deeper, like, sort of cultural history that doesn't value individual autonomy as much. So they're fine with, like, the social um, coercion that we're not fine with. Uh, But people here are, like... Fuck it. We'll just normalize a half a million deaths instead. Which is insane. Also, China did that too, but that's. But no, they. More genocidal. They didn't. <laughs> because way, way fewer people died. If we're talking about COVID. Mao killed less people than uh, COVID. If you're talking about the Cultural Revolution or something, sure, yeah. Yeah. Well. But, you know, well. I mean, how, how, many, how many people does the United States kill by not not offering health care to their citizenry and not giving a shit about homelessness and stuff like that, you know? Oh, Those deaths don't end up counting, but it's more yeah. than the Cultural Revolution ever did. Yeah, it's the poorhouse gulag. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wonder... Uh, I mean, America has uh, uh, this 
wonderful and strange history of the poor farm. I mean, this is what you're describing is just a technocratic poor farm. Yeah. Where you just have to go work off your debt and we'll house you and feed you, but like, but it's worse a, because we you're won't. a free pr- you're a free prisoner. Yeah. I, except it's the technocratic version is even worse in some ways because we're not even guaranteeing we're gonna we're gonna house and feed you. We will house and feed you if you can rent it from us. Ugh. And if you can't, you don't have it, and you wash out and die. It's weird. I mean that that's why that that's why I brought up the fascism thing earlier. Is like it's it's when you start to frame it a certain way, it sounds weirdly eugenical. Via dollars. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. This has been the project for the past 15 years. After, or not even 15, I I will say after 2008, people were like, oh, we can't do the quickie schemes anymore. We have to actually, like, run a long game. Right. That's the long game. These cycles of booms and busts based on credit aren't working anymore. Now you have to print so much money to get your way out of it. Yeah, and it's starting to cause a societal like discohesion because people can see the scheme right in front of them happening all the time and are powerless to do anything about it. And that puts everyone on edge. Even if you don't do organized political action, it's causing societal decay, whether that's like mass shootings or just polarization or whatever. And I don't know, basically technocrats are saying like we are fine with all of that, uh, but we can get rid of some of this rabble along the way. We won't give them credit anymore. We'll just stop doing that. Yeah, you'll just cut them off from their credit lines. Yeah. I mean, that already kind of happens with credit scores. Yeah. If you're bad at it, we don't get to, you don't get loaned anything. Well, not really, though. What was the problem with 2008 is we said, ah, fuck your credit score. You can get three $700,000 houses with 0% down on a 50-year mortgage and nobody checks. Dumbest shit in the world. And then we collapse the economy over it because you have to keep the, you have to keep demand up. That's the problem. Yeah. You can't have too many people wash out. The only way they can wash out is if they die. Yeah. That actually makes sense because then you don't have to provide for them anymore. And you just give the remaining people credit and you keep doing that. I don't know. It's all very bleak. Yeah, it's not great. Um Did you see people tossing that... around the idea that um Biden might cancel a lot of student debt because it's actually a good solution to the coming fiscal crisis and like the covid problem bring it it sounds too it good to not be, be true thousand dollars and, I, and you yeah. have to you know help this the you know do a government thing like i think we'd be lucky to get anything at all from a biden administration but uh, but i don't know it's actually been, kind of been in the air in the media that uh, up to like 50 grand or something is a possible option rather than cutting checks to people they might just say hey the third of the population that's like massively in debt will get rid of a bunch of it so you can start buying again oh and it, it seems it seems maybe possible 50 depends how bad is too gets. low 50 is too low i know it has to be a hundred thousand and then anyone left over has like what is a manageable amount of debt maybe i mean the, the, unless you have two hundred thousand dollars which i how the fuck the other scheme that I heard that sounds more plausible to me just because it's more means tested and like technocratic is that they might do a thing where uh, for every dollar of debt you pay back, depending on what your income is, it actually represents a certain amount more than that. So like if you're low income and you pay one dollar to, towards your student loans, that one dollar will pay off 12. And if you're high sure. income, you pay that one dollar and that one dollar only pays one or whatever. Huh. So that way, like 
that sounds more plausible to me because that way if you're like an MBA or something and you're straight out of grad school making $400,000 a year, you're still paying off your student loans as you took them. But yeah. if you are out of work because of COVID and you're unemployed and you have $200,000 in debt, well, now every dollar you pay is times 12. So you can pay it down faster. Huh. So maybe they'll do something like that. I don't know. Maybe they'll do nothing. They'll probably do nothing. Oh, where it's like your debt is like credits like, and we're in the fucking... We're in Tatooine. Things are worth credits now. A dollar yeah. is worth credits of right. debt. Yeah, something like that. <sighs> We're fucking one quarter portioning this shit out. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think ironically, you, you're more likely. You would be more likely to see that happen if it wasn't a Democratic president. I mean, if like three hundred dollars a month turned into six hundred, and you could do six hundred, and that turned into twelve. People could actually, like, it would incentivize people to be like, I will cut back on some other shit just so that way this goes away. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm talking about, like, what, it you know, $100 suddenly represented $1,200. Ooh, bitch. Bring it. Like, it could. That's that's the potential scheme, but we'll see. I don't know. They'll probably do nothing. I'd pay that fucker off in, like, two years. Right. And like you said, it would incentivize people not to default and to actually take it seriously. Whereas now, if you default, who cares? You don't have any assets anyway. What difference does it oh, really Oh, I make? wouldn't spend money if I could pay it off in two years. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. Not, neither would I. I mean, seriously, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, people would put... But that would be a problem in and of itself, you know? Because the, what they're trying to do is stoke demand. So if people stopped buying consumer products just to pay down their debt, that also doesn't work for them. So it's like... Th- yeah, but then it would be a spending spree. At, at the end actually, of it, yes. Yeah, at the end of... You'd have like... a sharp deep dip for two years and then once people were like oh we're at zero time to ball the fuck out yeah 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 i mean they're gonna have to do like, something i can buy a house fuck it i don't care fuck renting i'm buying a house they're gonna have to do something You're- like that because they need people to buy houses i mean as you know we've talked about this before but as boomers die out and stuff it's like where is all this going no i w- i've been thinking about this because like what happens like when my parents die and i'm like oh i get some money and then i have a house that i have to deal with Am I going to go move into this house? No, thank you. No, you're going to sell what? it. What? And I'll get like 20 grand for it? Cool. Well, like what? you know, no, I'm like like the thing is, the thing that's the reason this is kind of a cliff is that what would happen is no, your your parents' house is probably worth kind of a lot of money. Real estate values are not low. Um so I know you're being facetious, but like let's say even I got to imagine even a small house like theirs is worth a hundred thousand dollars. There's almost no way it's not. And no, they sold my grandparents' house for twenty eight thousand dollars, and I went, I would have bought it. When was that? Twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Wow, that's that's shockingly low. But anyway, I mean, okay, so fine. But no matter what the value, but in Cleveland, twenty eight thousand dollars is. I just find that I just find that kind of hard to believe. But okay, I mean, whatever. the The problem you would have if it was. Let's say it was close to a hundred thousand dollars, because that's the that's the that's lower than the median house price nationwide. But fine, mm. uh, you would list it for what it's worth when your parents die, and there'd be no one to buy it. Because yeah. guess what? Everyone else's parents are dying too, and they're all trying to sell those houses too. And we don't yeah. have any assets, so there's no way to buy them. There's no capital for that. Yeah. Then you're gonna end up selling it for twenty eight thousand dollars, even though it used to be worth a hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean... To a bank or some shit. Yeah. Well, the fucked up part, like, when they sold my grandma's house, I was like, why don't you just rent it? And you all just get to make money. Yeah, that's... Should have done that, yeah. 
And they're like, no one wants to be a landlord. I'm like, how hard is it? You get the check. If something goes wrong, you go to fix it. And who cares? Yeah. Like, it's not actually that. It's not work. And none of you are doing that much anyway. Like, come on. Like, yeah, not really. Not unless you're going to work on all the all the maintenance problems yourself, which is what the rental money is for, at least part of it. Yeah. I was like, this is dumb. This is very dumb. You split the rent four ways. Each of you gets a third, and then one quarter is the maintenance cost that you just put in like a savings account or whatever. And then when you have to like pay out to get something fixed, you pull from that. Right. Duh. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's hard. I'm like, God, you boomers don't know what anything related to actual work is. This makes me so ma- so mad. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I I sort of get it. It's not like it's nothing, but yeah, you would think you'd. I don't know, want to maximize that opportunity. And that seems like a uh, risk-reward calculation that's not hard to do. I don't know. Uh, No, when I think about the future, I'm like, ooh, this shit's bleak. Shit's very bleak. But, like, I'm not trying to rent things. Like, what would would you do? Rent shirts? Yeah. (sighs) I mean, we're we're talking about things that are... are in the farther distant future when you're talking about something like that but eventually yes yeah but if i'm like 80 and someone's like yeah here's a shirt you come around i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about renting this no this shirt costs a thousand dollars and i go is it prada and they're like no it's a uniqlo shirt and i go you need to go get fucked right now i am not no yeah i mean i think that's how things will be eventually all right i think this is the actual episode by the way yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking the same thing. Should we just do, should we just do this? One? I think this is the better one to release. It might be worse, but whatever. No, I, I think the, I think uh, the the uh, the ideas tossed around. There's some levity and then some not. That that's that makes it a little more uh, classic style. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. I'll just put. The, I'll just reverse. We'll flip it and reverse it. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Easy. Okay. I mean, you'll just have to like <laughs> you'll just have to like chop up some editing stuff, but like, yeah, no, that makes more sense. Yeah, okay, that's fine. And this is a good intro. Oh man, yeah, it is. <laughs> see what I did there? See, see that little. 